I am Emily Lyons. In 2011, without a high school degree and with no money to my name, I decided to start my own business. Since then, I've built several multi-million dollar companies and I don't plan on stopping. Being a businesswoman, CEO, serial entrepreneur, survivor, and general life enthusiast, I'm endlessly jazzed by the business of life, especially the stories of extraordinary people I've had the privilege to meet along my own improbable journey to success. I don't think it's fair to keep that privilege to myself, and I think you deserve to be utterly lifted and shifted by these people too. All inspiring people are inspired people, so get ready to be inspired. Double public speaking world record holder, including 47 hours individual speaking world records. So he's pretty incredible. Eight figure a year training coach, nine figures in revenue, and just does all kinds of really wonderful things. So business mentor to many celebrities and some of the world's most successful people. I really hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did. All right. Today I am joined by my friend Rob Moore. Rob, welcome. Hey, Emily. Hey, everyone. <laughs> oh, Rob, it's so good to have you on here. So if people, for whatever reason, don't know who you are, who's Rob? <laughs> I'm a 42-year-old entrepreneur from the UK. Do you want me to do like the CV bit or the long story <laughs> no. bit? Or, no, that's all right. Or the I'm so bored of the CV and the story bit. <laughs> yeah, so I started in real estate 15 years ago, nearly 16. We have 1,300 tenants in our portfolio. We have three main companies, ownership, management, and development. We're developing two units, which are about 165, 170,000 square feet right now. Wow. So we own hundreds of properties and that's how we started 15, 16 years ago. And then we got into training people how to buy property in real estate. And we became the UK's largest property training company. It's called Progressive Property. It's 95% UK training. Then I started writing some books and I've written 18 books. My most recent money, life leverage, opportunities, start now, get perfect later. I broke the world record for longest speech twice. 47 and a half hours straight was the record that I broke. I broke it by about five hours. As you know, from my, some of my wow. clubhouse room talks, I can go on a bit. So that was a fun thing to do a few years ago. I have the Disruptive Entrepreneur and the Money podcast with nearly a thousand episodes now. I've interviewed loads of billionaires, Floyd Mayweather twice. I'm interviewing David Icke again tomorrow, Jordan Peterson. So some cool people. Mm. and a friend of yours on Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've done a lot. But uh, when you, so before you started, you were in debt from what I read. Okay, and so then what, why did you make this transition into entrepreneurship and how did you get out of debt? So long story really short, my dad's a very entrepreneurial and raised me to be an entrepreneur. And probably age six, he started me working in his pub. I'd stock the shelves up after a busy night or go in the cellar and redo all the beer kegs. And I'd empty the the slot machines, the pool tables. And I just so loved it. I, I didn't want, I didn't want to go to school. Because I, I just wanted to be dad and I love touching money. <laughs> I was, I was but that really gave me a bit of a flavor into wanting to be like my dad. And so I worked loads until probably age 15, evenings, weekends. I just worked. I wanted to work and I wanted to earn money. 
-hmm. And then I got interested in girls. Then it was (laughs) university. And so a lot of distraction. And all of a sudden, I'm nearly 26. I'm still working in my dad's pub. I'm living above it in the flat above. I've racked up debt from the end of school and university and car loans and things. Mm. And it wasn't really, Emily, because I ruined my life. It was just sometimes you can just over a few years, just let your life go, I suppose. And I'd become quite bitter and frustrated. I felt like if anyone was successful, they were either lucky or greedy or screwed people over. I couldn't understand why I was nearly 26 and I was not making anything of my life. My dad had worked really hard for 35 years, all evenings, weekends, because he owned pubs and bars and hotels and clubs, made his millions, lost them, made them, lost them. And then on December the 15th, 2005, which is just a couple of weeks before my 26th birthday, my dad had this massive nervous breakdown in the pub. The police got called out. He was having almost like a fit and they beat him up and they sectioned him. And Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it wasn't very nice for my family. My mum and my sister were out the front lawn of the pub crying their eyes out while the police were beating my dad up. All the customers were watching and I just froze and... I felt such intense humiliation and shame when that happened. And then for a few couple of weeks, maybe I just sort of beat myself up. Like, why am I such a loser? Why have I not done anything with my life? I really hated myself at that time. And so after a couple of weeks of that, I was like, well, got to get off your ass and do something with your life. Sorry, got to get off your ass. (laughs) (laughs) and a few things just started to fall into place Emily and it was almost like they were always there but I'd never seen them for example my dad had been telling me to get into property for years and then I finally went to this property network meeting that a gallery owner who was hanging some of my art at the time had recommended that would have been that had been going for years I never went I went that time this was the end of December 2005 I met my business partner Mark Mark Homer who I'm still business partners with today who financed a load of our early properties We've made tens of millions of pounds together, maybe more. In fact, we've done nearly a hundred, we've done 150 million just in the training business. Wow. So it's more than that. And then weirdly, back then when I was skinned, I had to rent out the second room in my tiny house that I had at the time. And he was moving out and he said, I've got these CDs if you want them. I've never listened to them. And you know, there's these singer songwriters like Jack Johnson or whoever. And I thought, well, I, I like music. I'll put them on and listen to them while I'm doing my art. And, and there was like a spoken intro. And I've never I'd never heard music with a spoken intro before. And this is this loud, gregarious American. I was like, when's the singing coming? And I'm looking at this box of eight CDs, Tony Robbins. Who is this guy? Oh my God. And and I just played it all through the evening and into the night while I was doing my painting on the side. And I must have listened to Get the Edge and Personal Power like a hundred times over. Um, I could sing you the jingle. I could, I could like, I could just, some of the phrases he says, I could just say them verbatim. And so those two things happened within probably a week of each other, Emily. And that was, I guess, the start of a new life. I feel like I've had two lives, the life up until mm-hmm. December the 15th, 2005, where I was cocky, complacent, arrogant, scared, had a chip on my shoulder very uncoachable and then since then I've been on a bit of a mission 
to change my life and now to help as many people on this planet start and scale their business and get better financial education. So it didn't take long after then, Emily. I think when you're on a mission, it doesn't take long. So I got out of debt within a year, made my first hundred grand not long after, made my first million before age 31. My tent, I became a decamillionaire by age 35. Then I stopped counting my own personal money and started counting more about the contribution I was making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I suppose that's a little bit of the debt and, and turning it around. I learned sales and marketing, even though I hated selling and I hated being rejected. I learned public speaking, even though I was really scared of what people thought about me because one, I was on a mission. And when you're on a mission, your fears and you worry about what people think about you, they diminish, I think. Mm-hmm. And two, I was just still, I still to this day want to make my dad proud. I mean, he's 78 and I know that I don't need to do anything more to make my dad proud, but I kind of still, there's still a bit of a driver in there. How old are you, by the way? <laughs> I, I just turned 36. Wow, you're a little baby. <laughs> I feel really old. You know, what, especially what does that make me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think for women too. I mean, I'm not going to turn this interview <laughs> on you, but no. <laughs> I bet my wife gets more and more beautiful the older she gets, I think. Aww. And there's no way. Nah, come on. That's 30, sweet. 36. How old your wife? She's 40. She's going to be 43. She's 42. Yeah, she's 43 in June. So she's a few months older than me. Aw. Uh, how, how long have you been married? Oh, we've been together 15 years. So she got me just oh, at the start. She didn't really know the old me. She knew the guy that was listening to personal development all day, every day, and doing mantras and incantations and all whoop, whoop, positive. Like we all are when we first get into personal development. (laughs) And so what does she do? Is she an entrepreneur? No, no. She worked for me for a few years and I think we had some good times and then it was a bit too intense in our relationship. Yeah. And we had my son who's going to be 11 soon. So now she, she sort of manages a lot of our personal finances. She does quite a lot of our investing in things like Bitcoin and all of that. She looks after the house because it's quite a big house that takes full-time work and then looks after the kids. Mm-hmm. Seven and 10, my kids are. Oh, cute. Well, I had actually read a study recently that was done that was showing who you marry is a big predictor to how successful you'll become. Oh, tell me about that then. <laughs> it was really interesting. And it was saying that, I mean, it's simple when you break it down and it makes sense. Saying who the people that you're around is, is the five people that you're around is determines your success. Well, obviously the person you spend the most time with. And when I started to go deeper, there was all of these interviews with like Warren Buffett and Obama and Jay-Z and Beyonce. And they all attributed their success to finding that partner. That was what took them to the next level. Yeah, I find that interesting because I think you could... My friend Grant, Grant Cardone, you know, mm-hmm. obviously he's Grant and Elena, you know, and they're both entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And I think that can work as long as you have a good plan for home, because if you're both out doing the hunting, you know, who's looking after the home? And I really value looking after the home. I think it's equally as an important role as the one who goes out to be the entrepreneur. So I think that dynamic is possible. Then I think the dynamic where one of you is the entrepreneur and the other one supports you. Uh Absolutely. I think that's a dynamic that can work. Now, not a lot of people say this, Emily, but I think you need the equal balance of support and challenge. So, you know, when people say about, oh, you got to hang around people who support you, Mm -hmm. 
you got to hang around people who will challenge you to call you out on your bullshit mm-hmm. level, keep you grounded. I mean, my wife just has this way of just in a few short words, very much humiliating me, <laughs> keeping me very grounded. <laughs> so, you know, and at the time I'm smiling through gritted teeth, but then afterwards I know that it's good for me. So, cause I could, I can be off in the clouds like a helium balloon that you let go if I'm not too careful so, you know, the people you hang around with, I think you've got to, you've definitely got to pick your team wisely. If you think of a sports team, you want some people who are good in defense and some people who are good in offense and some people who are good at the center of the park and you need a, um, a captain and a supporter role. So I think when you're building this team around you, you definitely want mentors. You want people who've been there and done it. You want people who want you to win. But you also want people who've got the courage to say, Rob, you're talking shit. Or, or <laughs> you're doing the same thing that you've been doing the last 15 times. You need to think about how to do it differently or, you know, just as, yeah, I, I, a lot of people are looking too much for just people who support their dreams and, mm-hmm. and goals and won't call them out on their shenanigans. Mm-hmm. I've had relationships with really successful entrepreneurs and I found it just didn't work. You know, when there's two of us that are just so busy and so driven, it's just too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I Again, I think it depends on the dynamic. I've actually never been with anyone who's a hardcore entrepreneur. I do know I'm not easy to be with. So <laughs> if, if the Queen's releasing a new Medal of Honor for bravery, it needs to go to my wife, definitely. <laughs> Entrepreneurs are not easy to be with. And I think that because if you think about in a relationship, and I'm not just going to say this for women because I know I'm this too, in a relationship, we want to be the most important thing to that other person. Mm-hmm. You know, I can be a bit of a diva. I want to be the most important person in someone who I love in their life. Mm-hmm. But when you're an entrepreneur and you put your work first, that can really be difficult to emotionally manage. Also, the distinct lack of time that you give to each other. Mm-hmm. I've also found if there's, if I'm having challenges in my life or in my relationship, Work is almost my therapy. So I'll just go and dig dig myself deep into more work, which can kind of compound the problem. So, yeah, I, I've never been with, an, uh, you know, an obsessed entrepreneur like <laughs> ourselves. I can imagine it would be like a couple of rhinos just running at each other. So how have you made it work? Well, one, my wife isn't the entrepreneurial type. So she's very grounding and steady and supportive and consistent. Mm-hmm. I'd actually say if I if if you had a gun to my head and you said like look Rob you know you're an entrepreneur you got to tell me the kind of partner you want to be with or I'll blow your brains out I, I would I, if you were to force me to to say one type of person I would say I'm more grounded steady practical consistent I would say that kind of person is probably suited more if you're a very out there entrepreneur because they'll put up with your highs and lows and ebbs and flows. You were, they won't necessarily bring you the excitement and the spontaneity, but that, that's not always easy to achieve when you, you know, you are an entrepreneur anyway. I would say that kind of marriage and that kind of partnership, because my business partner's grounding, technical, analytical, operational, skeptical, and I'm way out there and up there and all over the place and excitable and, you know, <laughs> let's go do this, chasing this and that and the other. So I, I think that dynamic. I would say probably works the best. But the difficulty is normally people, when they're out on the look for a partner, and this could be business or relationship, you want people like you. I I wouldn't last five minutes with someone like me. (laughs) (laughs) 
we'd be talking over each other on Clubhouse all day. So <laughs> <laughs> I've never taken on a partner because it's always scared me. Just business partner or yeah, a, a business partner. Whoa, how come? Scares you in what way? I've just heard so many bad stories and so many falling outs from clients and friends. And so it's just, yeah, I've never taken on a on a on a business partner. Oh, it's done it on my own. Well, do you know what, Emily? My job is I always see my job to challenge my friends because a lot of people are very supportive. I'm gonna challenge you. Mm. I I would challenge you to seek out different types of mentors or guidance, or at least get a balanced view. Mm. And I, I'll give you an example. When I wrote the book Money, my book Money is a very pro-capitalist book. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of that book, I started studying communism and socialism to try and disprove my own theories oh. and see it from the other side so that I could have a more balanced view. I'd love that. And I mean, Steve Jobs and Steve Woz, Steve Wozniak, Mm-hmm. partners in Apple. I'd argue Apple wouldn't even be what it is without either of those. And they're very different, those two. Mm-hmm. Paul Allen, I think, was very, and Steve, um, Bill Gates. Then you've got Sergey and Larry from Google. All of Richard Branson's companies are partnerships. So I'm very surprised because like getting to know you, you seem really open-minded, you know, driven towards being successful, very giving person. So that really surprised me that you said that. I guess it's just because I'm so independent and I've always done everything on my own and kind of made it my own way. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe you've, you, you've, you've piqued my interest. You've piqued my interest. Okay, so I want to bring it back to business for a second. In a lot of the listeners that we get are new entrepreneurs. So they're, they're in the beginning stages. So what would you tell a new entrepreneur? You are the disruptive entrepreneur. You are outspoken, <laughs> cheeky, cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> so what would I say to anyone starting out in entrepreneurship? Your reward for solving a problem is a bigger one. And when you achieve a new level, you awaken a new devil. And I think a lot of people, when they start in entrepreneurship, have a vision or a fantasy that they're going to have freedom and they're going to be their own boss. And all the things they didn't want when they were employed, they think they're moving away from being an entrepreneur. And in reality, there is no destination in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. There's just new levels. Mm -hmm. And imagine being a 15 years experienced entrepreneur in the travel or the retail business and then bang, lockdown comes. And you could be the best retail or travel entrepreneur in the world and you are done. You're shut for a year. So learn to love entrepreneurship, not the destination that you think entrepreneurship will give you. And then it's like getting on a roller coaster, but not wait, not looking for it to end, just enjoying the stages, enjoying the excitement, the highs and lows, the loops, and then the bits where it slowed, it slows down and you can get your breath. I would also say create a meaningful vision where you can help as many people as possible. And remember that your job as an entrepreneur is to provide a valuable service or product to someone that improves their life in some way. Because you, you've got your own selfish goals and motives as an entrepreneur, but you only meet them by helping others. Because if I have a product and I want to sell it to you, Emily, well, I've got to find a buyer in you. And then I've got to give you value so that you feel like that's worth exchanging 50 or $5,000 for or whatever. 
And if you get really good value, you're going to go and tell other people, I'm going to get more customers. And if you don't, you're going to tell other people, I'm going to get less customers. Also, when you're having your troubles and challenges, which you will as an entrepreneur, but you also will as an employee, Mm -hmm. remember that helping and serving others has the effect of growing your business, but it also has the effect of kind of therapy for yourself and getting yourself through your, your own challenges. This is another reason, Emily, sorry to bring it back, but why I like having partners is when it's going well, I've got someone to celebrate with. And when it's difficult, I've got someone to share in the challenge with. I've ah, got shared this. I did the biggest property event in the UK in 2019. 1,500 people, Grant, Grant flew over and spoke there. And I went in with a partner. And so he was 50-50 on the risk. We ended up making a lot of money. He bought a, a, basically a, a pretty much a mansion out of the profits. Wow. But had that gone wrong, he'd have been in the on the hook for half the money. So having partners means you can share in the upside, but you can also share on the risk on the downside as well. So love the journey of entrepreneurship. I think one of the greatest gifts, Emily, of being an entrepreneur is meeting people like you and the UK Mod Squad. And yeah, you know, I'm interviewing David Icke again tomorrow and I'm interviewing my 16th billionaire next week. And I met up with Barry Hearn, who's worth hundreds of millions, is just one of the most charming, but old school entrepreneurs you could ever meet. 73, acts like he's 23. So use entrepreneurship to meet really cool people because that's what we're going to remember at the end of our lives, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Our money's just going to be given away. But what we remember is the relationships we've built. Mm-hmm. I recorded a solo podcast this morning. It's not out yet, but it's called Money Does Buy Happiness because of the relationships that, not, not the relationships it builds, but what you can do for the people that matter most for you, the experiences, the memories, the charities you can support. And I mean, last year, my mom got sick. Suddenly I was staying with her during quarantine and I took her to the hospital. Anyways, long story short, she had back pain and it turned out to be stage four lung cancer. She never smoked a cigarette in her life. And so I moved two hours away to be with her from my office, my staff, all of that during the pandemic to, I just relocated permanently and she passed away just a few months later. But I was just so thankful that the past 10 years I'd been able to give her the life that she'd always kind of dreamed of. Like when I started to make money, I'd said to her, you know, if you'd had money when you were younger, what would you have done with it? She's like, I would have traveled or I would have done this or that. And so like, you know, taking her to the first time we went to New York city and seeing her in times square and taking her out to Broadway to see kinky boots and just constantly spoiling her with things. If I wasn't an entrepreneur, I don't think I would have ever gotten that opportunity because I dropped out of high school in grade 10. So, I mean, I didn't really have a lot of career prospects and just taking away her worries, you know, things like that. The opportunities that entrepreneurship gives you is just, it's incredible. Yeah. I've been saying for 15 years that money does buy happiness Mm -hmm. and people always challenge that. I do some quite a lot of money related content on my Facebook videos and they get a lot of comments and a lot of people (laughs) not very happy with me saying that. (laughs) But money is an enabler. It's an exaggerator of traits. Exactly. An an accelerator. So, yeah, I I, am one of my friends. His son was pretty much going to die unless he got an emergency operation and he managed to move him out of Africa to the UK. And I, I, I crowdsourced the money for that. Paid for my sister's kidney operation. She was pretty much looking like she was going to die. Obviously, my wife's, I say obviously, 
people don't know this, but my wife's had a couple of operations recently and these cost tens of thousands of pounds. Can't finance that if you're broke. So, you know, money doesn't just have to go on Lamborghinis and houses and holidays and watches, does it? It can go on experiences. And I remember when I gave my sister the money she needed for a kidney operation. It was to her, it was a huge amount of money. And she just phoned me up and she started bawling her eyes out. And she said, you know, it was like the best thing anyone had ever done for her. So yeah, I, I I'm I completely agree with you. Let's not get hippie about money. Money is one of the greatest tools invented by humans. You know, if you think a wheel is a pretty good invention, what's a wheel done for us to travel and connect with each other? But what's money done? Mm-hmm. You know, money helps us exchange value with each other really quickly without having to store it, have it stolen, it decay without having to barter or, you know, blag each other on what it's worth because it's a universal measure of value. So all these people that say, well, you know, money makes you greedy and evil. No, no, no. Greed and evil are human traits. They're not traits of money because money doesn't have traits. Money is, it's amoral. It's just flow of energy and exchange. I could talk about this. You know, I wrote the UK's best-selling book, um, Emily on money called money. It's my favorite subject because I think there's such misinformation around money. There's such we're fuel like if, if you're in any way of faith or religion, you know, one of the major religions in the world says that a camel is more likely to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to go to heaven, and that the love of money is the root of all evil. So one of the biggest Mm-hmm. global religions is basically teaching you that to be wealthy is to be evil that's utter nonsense mm-hmm. because you can be rich and evil rich and good poor and evil poor and good you can be any one of those so yeah i could talk about this i love that. how you said yeah it just exasperates what's already there yeah it's an enabler like if you gave a million pounds to a philanthropist who's building a school they'll build another school if you give a million pounds to a drug drug addict they're probably going to fuel their habit but it just exaggerates your traits it doesn't change you yeah there's just a lot of misinformation out there and i'm on a mission to change that i saw the other day i was on uh, instagram and there was somebody from clubhouse that i had met and she was making these posts about how real men support their women they pay the bills that it shouldn't be 50 50 and it was all these posts about money and specifically money and relationships and i knew i shouldn't respond to it but i wrote go for it i just said you know we work so hard to want to be equal with men and then now we have to be supported with them by them and just this whole idea around it all it just there are so many things that people think around money and it just it makes me so angry i don't know yeah yeah well i mean money doesn't make a man so you know if someone says real men do x with money no no, no. money doesn't make a man money doesn't make a woman well and since i realize i don't do best with entrepreneurs since then the people that i have been with long term i'm usually significantly wealthier than they are so usually if i want to get if you ever get divorced, tap me up then. That's- <laughs> <laughs> if I ever, if I want to maintain a certain level of a certain lifestyle, then I have to fund it. Like if I want us to do certain things and buy things, but I'm okay with that. I'm proud to be able to do that, that I worked hard. I don't need somebody to. And so the fact that a real man shouldn't allow somebody to even contribute. 
maybe a real man let someone pay if they want to pay there you go (laughs) (laughs) i actually wrote a piece in a uk major magazine about this because this has been a big thing about it's been kind of going viral in the uk about who should pay on the first date Uh and i put a couple of questions on facebook and it gets thousands of comments so yeah this is very very topical right now I personally would wait when the bill comes and see how the other person reacts. Mm-hmm. And if they're looking at me expecting me to pay, then I'd probably offer that we go halves. I suppose it might depend also who asked the person out. But what it, you know, it is it fair that a couple would in the first few months of the honeymoon period pay 50-50 if one of them earns 10 times as much as the other one. So I suggested maybe you pay according to what you can contribute. So maybe if I was with someone and you know I was, I was more wealthy, I might expect to pay three times out of four, but I wouldn't want to rob them of the gift of contributing as well. Mm-hmm. I also wouldn't want to train someone that they just expect me to pay for everything because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, <keep them. laughs> I'll stop there. <laughs> so what's next for you well I'm gonna go and watch Squid Game after we've finished here because I'm well into that at the moment that's a Netflix series <laughs> okay John brought that up today so now now you're the second one to bring this up today yeah. I know that's not your question so In life like okay you've written all of these books you've achieved financial success obviously I mean like Grant says he wants to be a billionaire. What when would you be content? Would you ever retire? Or what what do you, what is success to you? Yeah, so I'm not bothered about being a billionaire. I'm more bothered about being useful to millions or billions of people on this planet. Hmm. If I'm useful and valuable to millions or billions of people on this planet, then my bank balance is going to reflect that. Mm-hmm. So if I target, if I focus on the billions. I might be focusing in the wrong areas with the wrong aims. So my personal vision is to help as many people on this planet start and scale their business and get better financial education. So that's my personal mission. I'm 42. I feel like I'm not even halfway through my life yet, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to just keep doing this for another 50 or 60 years. I'm inspired by people like Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett, my new friend, Barry Hearn, who are in their 70s, 80s. And I think Charlie might be pushing 90 now and still a fit and healthy mind mm-hmm. doing what they love. I love business. I love entrepreneurship. I love teaching and training business and entrepreneurship. I love all the media that we all leverage. You know, we use Clubhouse. We use Facebook. We use Instagram. We use Zoom. We use podcasts. I love the variety of all the media. So I want to keep doing that. I'm getting real traction on my personal brand now. We've just bust through a couple of million view videos on TikTok. We've been trying to figure that out. We only started this year. And so I worked out if I go at the rate that I am, I'll have six to 7 million followers by the time I'm 50. You know, impacting six to 7 million people at any one time, I think would be a, a worthy outcome. So I'll keep writing books. I'll keep building companies. I'll keep trying to offer people value. I'll keep trying to share my knowledge. Keep I want to carry on meeting cool people. Of course, I don't know how that will evolve in that I may not have even started my unicorn company yet. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to entrepreneurs, I'm actually still quite young and, and you're even younger because I think the average entrepreneur starts in their 40s. 
And the average millionaire, I think, is late 40s or, or 50s. It's slightly getting younger, but sometimes I think I've been doing this for 15 years now. You know, you can see the grey bits coming and you can tell I haven't had Botox. Check those. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I forget that in entrepreneur terms, I'm still very young. Mm-hmm. So I've got this clear vision of my life and how I want to impact millions of people. But, but the, the organization and the corporations and the assets and the media beneath it, I'm just going to try it all. I'm on all social channels trying to figure them all out. We have a digital agency that supports about 200 podcasters. I have, I'm have i just now taking my training company from UK to global. We run global summits now, thanks to the lockdown. I'm coming over to America and North America next year to do some speaking gigs. I'm speaking at Grant's 10X conference and I want to come and do some big gigs out in America because 1,500 people is the biggest property seminar in the UK in 2019 and I ran it. But I mean, that would be, it would be 10,000 or more in America. So I've I've got got to get across to America a lot more. So yeah, just, I also want to say this, Emily, I think it's really important to enjoy your fucking life. And <laughs> so easy to get stressed about your relationships, your business, your cash flow, your reputation, you know, your following, and all the challenges we have in business. There are probably, Emily, 6.8 billion out of 7 billion people who have it so much worse off than us that like have to walk 10 miles to get water, or one of my clients, her entire family got murdered. And I know, and you just think like, I've really, I've had a few challenges the last three or four years. We had 12 golden years, really. We were growing 50% year on year. We were always young, the golden boys. It it seemed we could do no wrong. And then when when we kind of did, we fixed it real quick. But the last two or three years have probably brought me my greatest challenges in my business and personal life. But I've committed to enjoying the journey and having fun. And being myself and like you said, you know, being a bit cheeky and enjoying the journey because that's why you want to be an entrepreneur. So you've got control of your own life, but it's a choice to be happy. It's a choice to have fun. It's a choice to enjoy the ride, even when it's hard. And I think that can easily get forgotten, especially, you know, the globe has been globally depressed, really, the last 18 months. And about two months ago, I walked into my company and I just basically started stopping it. I said, no more bitching, no more moaning, no more complaining, no more looking in the past, no more excuses, no more looking back at lockdown, no more using that as a reason. And one by one, I picked people off and turned them around and got them in a more positive state and pulled everyone back into the office and felt like I really wanted to turn the energy around because it's been a weird energy the last two years, but the energy has to come from you. So I want to bring some big energy the next 50 years or so. Break some, bring, bring some big energy. Okay, so just, I got to ask, your children, do you want them to get into entrepreneurship? My son was probably in the top three, maybe top five best golfers in the world when he was five and six. Whoa. And I, he's had eight hole-in-ones. He'd had them by age eight. And I was, I was pretty obsessed about making him a, a great golfer. And I took him as far as I could take him. And then I had to back off because I was probably pushing him a little much. And so at that, that time, I was pretty obsessed about that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I did a great job. I got him really good. But then it had to come from him. So from age seven, it has to come from him now. He's good enough if he wants to do it. If I can get him a fortnight. Mm-hmm. So, but he's, he's good enough if he wants to do it. And I've, so I've taken a more approach now with my children 
Let them experiment, let them play, let them test, let them try things. Try and raise them so they're not scared to do that. So mm -hmm. they're not scared to take risks. So they're not scared to try new things. So they're not scared of being uncomfortable. I see that as my main role as a parent mm -hmm. because the world teaches us to be scared of everything. You know, parents are like, don't touch that, don't do that, don't say that, don't touch that. My wife can be a bit like that because she's trying to protect them. And I'm the opposite. Go for them, try out, don't worry about it. You know? so like, <laughs> let, them try stuff. let them fail safely of course so now i'm trying to give them opportunities and let them discover what they want for themselves which i wouldn't have said four years ago i was more driven into them but they're both unique individuals they're not me mm -hmm. and i don't really care if they're entrepreneurs or not i care that they're doing something that lights them up Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm not one of these subscribers. So I just want my kids to be happy. Oh, it's just all about taking part. Life is just all about being happy. Uh, I'm sorry. That's a fantasy. Sorry to yeah. pop anyone's bubble, but happiness is a reward for meaningful goals achieved. Happiness is a chemical release in our body as a reaction to things that happen in the environment. It is not a destination. You cannot ever just get to a destination of perennial happiness. Because if you if, if you got there, then you'd be a threat to yourself. Because if there was a threat, oh, it's all right, because I'm happy. So people, this is massive delusion that happiness is the goal. Happiness isn't the goal. Happiness is the reward for the struggle and the journey of evolution. So I'm not a subscriber that I just want my kids to be happy. I want my kids to find their own way in life. I want them to have tried enough things to know I want to be a drummer. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an entrepreneur. That being said, they've both started to work maybe one day a week in my company. They started by stuffing envelopes and franking and posting and things. And I mean, my daughter, who's seven, she, she wants, we have family meetings every two weeks where we talk about the goals as a family. And we've been doing that for quite a while. I'd thoroughly advise that. It's so great. And Ariana, every time she says, oh, daddy, um, can I um, have a day off school so I can come to work? And I just like, I'm, I'm saying to my wife, come on, can we make that happen? She's like, you can't do that. You can't do that. They can't just have a day off school. But imagine how dangerous she'd be, you know, if she works a day a week in an office. That would be incredible. I mean, I think it would be great. So she's shown a real interest. And I've got both of them at times working in the company, but I wanted them to do it rather than me force them. I don't get involved. My mum who works for us. We've got about 80 staff in, in this particular company or companies. And so I've got staff who look after them and show them around. My daughter's a grafter. My son's more of an instructor. So we will see. I want to show them what life is really about, not protect them from the challenges and let them find their own way. I love it. I love that answer. All right, Rob, what's the key to success? I would say the key to success is going from challenge to challenge to challenge with no loss of enthusiasm. Very good. I love that. Oh, Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. This was so much fun. You're incredible. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy Squid Game and we will talk soon. Oh, where can we find more about you? So if you search my name, Rob Moore or Rob Moore Progressive, you can follow me on any social channel. Probably the one place you might want to go is the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm nearly at 750 episodes. I've interviewed some really, really cool people. So for entrepreneurs, that's probably the place to go. Fantastic. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>